Today's program is brought to you by ETF Guide. Is your investment portfolio helping you or hurting you? Go to PortfolioReportCard.com to find out. And if you get an A, we pay you $100. This is Portfolio Talk. I'm Ron DeLegge. Coming up on today's show, a portfolio report card for D.C. in Florida. He's got a $2 million investment account. And together, we're going to analyze his portfolio and dissect it. We'll find out if it passes or fails now, remember, any portfolios that I analyze and grade on this program that get an A, I pay $100 to that listener. Go to PortfolioReportCard.com to take my challenge. So let me give you some background about D.C. in Florida. He's 72 years old, and he's retired. He's also married, and he told me that he needs $40,000 a year from these assets in income. Now, he wants to leave some of the money for his children. As I said before, he's 72. He's in good health. And his $2 million is spread across a traditional IRA and a taxable brokerage account. DC self-manages this money, and he told me that he aims for growth, but with downside protection. And if there's anything that worries him, he said that it's another 2008-like event where financial markets have a heart attack. I think all of us are kind of worried about that, D.C., not just you. Now, D.C.'s entire portfolio, the combined portfolios, the IRA and the taxable brokerage account, consists of 18 different mutual funds, 10 individual stocks, 9 ETFs, and 2 closed-end funds. So what kind of portfolio report card does he get? A, B, C, D, or F. Of course, A or B are outstanding scores. I liken an A to a perfectly pitched baseball game. It needs not to be, there's nothing that you can improve on a perfectly pitched baseball game. There's no immediate adjustments that need to be made to the portfolio. A B is a very good score, and minor modifications or changes need to be made, whereas C, D, or F mean there are major structural flaws with the design of the portfolio and that there's some deficiencies when it comes to cost diversification, risk, tax efficiency, and performance. So let's begin with the first grading category for D.C.'s portfolio, cost. Now, keeping the tyranny of compounding investment cost to an absolute minimum is every serious investor's job. Now, if you're a rookie or an amateur, well, this is something you ignore or you don't even notice. But for those of us that want to invest like professionals and grown-up people, mature people, we pay attention to investment costs because we understand that the more that we pay out and shell out of our pocket, that reduces our net performance, the money that we get to keep at the end of the day. And so that's why it's so crucial for everyone that really has any sort of money invested in financial markets to minimize costs to the greatest degree possible. And you should be doing that by deliberately reducing your trading commissions, your fund fees, and other costs that uh, may be added to that that are sometimes not so obvious. So in DC's portfolio, and we're going to go through some of the actual holdings in this $2 million portfolio, 
some of the big holdings that he's he's got. Uh, for example, the Fidelity Floating Rate Bond Fund, that's ticker symbol FFRHX, has an expense ratio of just under three quarters of one percent. But you know, again, this is a bond fund, so I have to look at how much of the income from the bond fund is being consumed by expenses. And according to my calculation, almost 20% of this particular mutual fund's uh, income is being consumed by its fees. And that's a problem, especially if you're an income investor that's retired like D.C. Another large holding is the PIMCO Total Return Fund. That's ticker symbol PTTDX, where around uh, 55% of the fund's annual yield is being consumed by annual fees. The same problem exists for some of his other holdings, like ticker symbol EAFAX, FFRHX, and SAMBX. These are all uh, floating rate bond funds. And so, again, we get, get back to this this thought, this idea of why isn't D.C. purposely and, and deliberately minimizing the investment expenses in some of his bond funds? Of course, bonds have much lower returns historically than stocks. And that means, especially with bond funds, that you need to minimize even more so your investment costs because you just can't make that up uh, in terms of recuperating it through uh, better returns, just because bond returns over the long run tend to be lower than stock funds. So overall, I see little attention being given to minimizing his annual fund expenses, and it's pretty evident with some of these these uh, mutual funds that he owns. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Portfolio Talk with Ronda Leggy. I'm doing a portfolio report card for D.C. and Florida. He's got a $2 million portfolio spread across a traditional IRA and a taxable brokerage account. We just looked at the cost of his portfolio. He definitely needs to make some improvements and adjustments in going about his business in a little bit smarter way so that he can save costs on on his some of his fund holdings and thereby increase the uh the the income that he's generating as well as the performance. In terms of diversification, what is Ronda Leggy's standard of a diversified portfolio? Well by nef- definition, investment portfolios without market exposure to the five major asset classes, that means stocks, bonds, commodities, real estate and cash if you don't have exposure to those five major asset classes in your portfolio, guess what? You're not fully diversified. Now, DC's made an effort in his $2 million portfolio to diversify because I see he's got equity exposure to international stocks with mutual funds like the Harbor International Fund, as ticker symbol H-A-I-N-X. He's also got the Tweedy Brown Global Value Fund, ticker symbol T-B-G-V-X, he also has exposure to domestic stocks. His largest holding is the S&P 500 Equal Weight ETF, that's ticker symbol RSP. He also owns the Vanguard Dividend Appreciation ETF, ticker symbol VIG, along with a a, a, a few small-cap uh, stocks in the mix. Now, the problem, though, with DC diversification is that most of the funds that he is using to get his exposure are not what I would consider acceptable diversified proxies or core holdings for the asset classes they're tracking. 
Uh, and, the, and the reason I say that is because some of these funds he owns, these active funds, engage in things like a style drift, and some of them will own uh, portions of, 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 of cash, which don't make them really a pure play representative of the asset classes they're tracking. And so I think he, he needs to do a, a little bit of a better job by making core holdings like RSP, that's a core holding, a larger part of his portfolio. Also, another shortcoming in DC's portfolio is unnecessary duplication of certain funds that own the same thing. For instance, DC owns three different floating rate bond funds, and we named those funds at the outset EAFAX, PPRHX, and SAMBX. All of these funds invest in the same area, floating rate bonds, so my question is, why does he need three different floating rate bond funds? He doesn't. And he's got around $410,000 of his portfolio allocated to this. It's just needless needless replication. And so, you know, DC's portfolio is kind of an interesting beast because it, it doesn't suffer from over-diversification and it doesn't suffer from under-diversification because parts of the portfolio are over-diversified, other parts are under-diversified. So what do you call that? What do you call that when certain parts of the portfolio um, are over-diversified, other parts are under-diversified, some parts are diversified? What, what, do you, what is this called? What is this condition? And I couldn't think of what to call it other than something that I came up with called uneven diversification which means that some parts of the portfolio are over-diversified, other parts are under-diversified. That, again, is called uneven diversification. The aim for all investors, including D.C., should be perfect diversification, which means that you don't need to own uh, a, lot of a lot of holdings, but you just need to make sure that those holdings are distributed across different asset classes and that the funds that you're holding don't overlap with one another, creating needless duplication. So I think D.C. definitely needs to do a better job on diversification. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to Portfolio Talk with Ron DeLegge. I'm doing a portfolio report card for D.C. in Florida. He's 72 years old. He is retired. He's married. And he's got 18 mutual funds, 10 individual stocks, 9 ETFs, and 2 closed-end funds spread across a taxable brokerage account and a traditional IRA. We're going to look at the final three categories of DC's $2 million portfolio, and then we'll give them a final report card uh, at, right after this break. Go nowhere! You're listening to Portfolio Talk with Ron DeLegge. To get your portfolio analyzed and graded, Go to PortfolioReportCard.com. The next grading category for DC's portfolio is risk. A portfolio with the correct level of risk always matches, always matches the risk limits and character of you as an investor. So the question is, is your portfolio compatible with your age? Is it compatible with your temperament, your life circumstances, your goals, and your liquidity needs? Well, DC's overall asset mix is 
just under 50% to stocks. He's got almost 32% exposure to bonds. And then the remaining portion, around 18%, is exposed to cash. Although he told me that growth with downside protection is his goal, I must say that that is a little bit more than contradictory because both strategies, growth and downside protection, are opposite. Growth implies risk-taking, whereas downside protection implies capital preservation. So the question then becomes, which of these completely opposite investing strategies really represents the real DC? Is it growth? Or is it downside protection of capital preservation? Which of these is he really after? Because he can't be both. Now, a stock market decline between 20 to 40%, I estimate, exposes DC's retirement plan to potential losses between 200 to $400,000. The question then becomes, can he handle that sort of heat? So if protecting his capital is his true goal, then having almost 50% of his portfolio committed to stocks is probably too high for a 72-year-old conservative investor. Next up is tax efficiency. I was glad to find that DC hasn't demolished has not demolished the tax benefits of his tax-deferred retirement plans. He of course is 72 years old, that means he's got to take minimum required distributions from his IRA, which he's doing. That's good. He's not uh, tampering or risking the, the tax-deferred nature of the the plan. And, of course, he's not exposing himself to any sort of IRS penalties for not taking distributions. So, overall, I think he does a pretty good job when it comes to tax efficiency. Um, also, some of those bond funds that he owns are correctly located in his uh, tax-deferred IRA, which means... That, uh, that he creates less tax liabilities for himself just because bonds are not a very tax-efficient asset class, and so that means they're best held in a tax-deferred retirement account, and he's doing that. In terms of performance, and this will be our last grading category for DC's portfolio, I posed a question to our audience, what's the right standard of performance? Is it what your neighbor says? Is it what your financial advisor says? Is it what CNBC says or what the Wall Street Journal says? Or is it perhaps how you're feeling that particular day, whether the sun is shining or maybe it's raining outside? What is the right standard of investment performance? Does anybody know? Well, let me just say this. It's certainly not distorted peer group comparisons as used in the mutual fund industry. The correct standard of performance Neither is it how a person performs relative to uh, a certain stock, but rather the correct point of reference in terms of performance is how a portfolio does or performs versus a blended mix of passive index ETFs that correspond to that person's asset allocation or asset mix. So that's the standard of performance that is correct. Now, DC had a combined portfolio value of $2.1 million. And one year later, his balance grew 3.5% 
by $73,000. How did our blended benchmark of ETFs that matches asset mix perform over that same time frame? Well, our blended benchmark gained 6.1% versus DC's gain of 3.5%. So the translation is he underperformed over the, that past, the past year, and that's not good. DC's final portfolio report card is a D. Now, this is not a good score. It means his uh, portfolio is unsatisfactory in most categories. He's got problems, as we covered, with minimizing cost. His diversification is uneven. The risk of his portfolio, we don't really know if it really matches who he is. I'm suspect that uh, I'm suspicious that his his current asset mix is really where he needs it to be. Is he a conservative investor or is he a growth investor? Um, I think that's pretty unclear from what he told us. He's got 50% of his portfolio allocated to stocks. He's 72 years old. He thinks he's conservative, but to me, a 72-year-old conservative investor would have a lot less exposure to stocks. So he's got to get his risk, the risk orientation of his portfolio compatible with who he is as a, an investor. Also, his performance was substandard. I mean, look at it. He underperformed our benchmark by more than, um, by around uh, 3%. And that, over the past year, when market conditions have been very favorable, is just way too much to be underperforming. And quite frankly, portfolios that can't perform well during a favorable market climate like we have right now, certainly we cannot expect them to suddenly and miraculously perform well when financial markets begin to act up. So I think D.C. has got to make some improvements. Obviously, he's got a pretty nice sum of money, just over $2 million. It's a, he's done a great job at accumulating the nest egg. Now it's up to him to protect it and tweak it and improve it. And I think if he makes the adjustments that we talked about and uh, and makes these improvements, I, I, I'm confident he's going to, from this point forward, do a lot better and have a portfolio that helps him to reach his financial goals. If you'd like to get a portfolio report card and take up my challenge, if I, you get an A, I pay you $100.00. Go to PortfolioReportCard.com and reach out to me. That does it for another episode of Portfolio Talk. I'm Ron DeLegge. Follow us on Twitter at PTalk Radio. And until we meet again, we'll catch you during the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Today's program is brought to you by ETF Guide. Is your investment portfolio helping you or hurting you? Go to PortfolioReportCard.com to find out. And if you get an A, we pay you $100. The views expressed in this broadcast are not necessarily that of our advertisers, sponsors, or broadcast partners. The discussion of investing is general and should not be construed as investment advice or an offer to buy or sell securities. Listeners are responsible for their own investment decisions and results. Before investing, always consult a prospectus for risk, charges, expenses, and other information. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Past performance is not indicative of future results. No reproduction or dissemination of Portfolio Talk Radio is permitted without the expressed written consent of its producers.